Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, ladies, we have Tracy Z with us, and she is a note investor extraordinaire for what, 30 years, Andressa? Yeah, she's an expert on this. <laughs> she knows her stuff. And, you know, I, I think what was really neat, we get into really specifics on this episode from, you know, how to do your due diligence when buying notes, the difference between performing notes and non-performing notes. I think what was really fascinating is that as investors, all of us, you know, part of this movement, this community, we know a lot about landlords, but then she's talked a lot about being the lean lord and the differences. And that's really where notes come into play. Uh, and I just, I'm not going to get, get more into it from there, but really, really good stuff around knowing, um, you know, how to get into note investing and, and the benefits of it and just really fascinating stuff today. Yeah. And more specifically, Tracy talks about seller financing notes yeah, I don't hear a lot about this and we can go on and on. But what the, what's the most important thing for all of you that are listening is that this is another tool for your toolbox that you can use in order to really match the property with the strategy. So this is like a how-to. If you're looking for a how-to podcast about notes and more specifically seller financing notes, this is it. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, it's Liz. Before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that time is running out and you just have three weeks left to get your ticket to InvestorCon 2024, the number one premier conference for women in real estate. It's happening from June 2nd to 4th in Austin, Texas. To learn more and to get your ticket, go to investhercon.com today and use the code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. That's investhercon.com promo code 100 podcast to get $100 off your ticket. Hey guys, it's Liz. Before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that time is running out and you just have three weeks left to get your ticket to InvestorCon 2024, the number one premier conference for women in real estate. It's happening from June 2nd to 4th in Austin, Texas. To learn more and to get your ticket, go to investhercon.com today and use the code 100 podcast to get $100 off your ticket. That's investhercon.com, promo code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show. If you've been a, a loyal follower of our show, thank you for joining us again for this week. We have Tracy on our show. We're going to be talking about note investing and a lot of great stuff. So Tracy, thank you for being on our show and joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me here. We have a shared passion for helping women invest. So I was very honored to be part of this. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm really excited to get you on finally. Um, I know we've been talking for quite some time and, you know, supporting, supporting one another's communities, which we're all about. And, and that's part of our mission, right? Is, you know, we're, we're, we're all about empowering women living a financially free and balanced life. And there's a lot of wonderful communities out there doing that too. And we're looking, you know, working with Tracy and other great ladies doing that too. So uh, we're just going to take over the world and, you know, one woman at a time. <laughs> Make it a little bit place uh, better, right? Leave it a little bit better than we found it. That's right. That's right. So um, as we always like to do, again, thank you for our loyal listeners and, and followers being part of this journey with us. And, um, and, and for the women who are new to our show, 
uh, we just kind of jump in as though we're all like old friends, but sometimes people are finding our shows. So thank you for finding our show. Thank you for being on this journey with us as well. Uh, we always like to sh start the show with something that came up for us personally or professionally as a kind of learning or, you know, just a, you know, real talk authenticity because we are on this journey with you too. And we are learning along with you too. So um, so this week, I think I, or this show, I should say, is my turn, right, Andressa? That is correct. What's happening in your world? So lately we've been, um, Matt and I have been, you know, my husband Matt and I have been switching who goes to the gym. So our gym reopened with everything going on and, you know, you wear face masks. I'm like, you know, quite honestly, the gym is literally the cleanest place right now. As soon as you get off the machine, someone jumps on the machine to clean it. I mean, it's more, it's clean. It, I feel more safe at the there than I do the grocery store, to be honest with you. But um, regardless, we were like, let's get recommitted. It's the winter, it's cold, we've got to move our bodies. So, so I went, I, I started going, we started going a, a couple of weeks ago. And um, this morning was my morning to go. And like, we, it's really hard for us both to go. Sometimes we are overly ambitious, but that just doesn't happen. And one of us by default doesn't go because we gotta get both kids out the door, you know, all the craziness of having young kids and all that stuff. So today was my day. And um, so last night, you know, my son's been getting up a lot. My seven-year-old son, not my baby son, but my seven-year-old son's been getting <laughs> up a lot and he screams and, and it's always like this minor, thing that he needs and not minor. I don't mean to be mean, but it's, you know, not life threatening. And so I didn't have the best sleep. Um, I woke up not feeling great and, you know, I snoozed my phone and then I'm like, I, I looked at it and it said six o'clock. I'm like, I got a window here. I was supposed to get up at five. I usually get up at five. I'm like, if I don't go now, I'm not going today. And I thought about my day and how busy it was going to be. And I'm like, no, Liz, this is your morning. I'm not going tomorrow. It's Matt's morning. I can't do that. So I got out of bed and, you know, reluctantly, very reluctantly, but I did and went to the gym and, and had a really good positive start to my day. And I share that because I don't need kudos or pats on the back, but I think we all have these moments, like literally moments of like, should I make a good choice or not? And that for me is a good choice. <laughs> I'm a better mom. I'm a better person. I'm happier when I move my body, mo like most people. So, you know, it was really, I had so many good reasons to stay in bed today, to, quite honestly. I got up during the middle of the night. I wasn't feeling great. I had a little bit of a stomach thing. Like it just wasn't feeling like I wanted to jump out and start the day, but I did it anyway. And I may not have ran as fast, but I ran anyway. And I just say that because we all have these moments. So the next moment you have ladies listening and you're just like, I know I should make this choice, but I just don't feel like it. Do it anyway. You're going to promise you will on the other end feel better. And that's what this is all about, right? All of us are learning and growing so we can keep keep being our better selves. So that's what I wanted to share. That's so true. And it's, it's an internal battle, right? There's nobody having that conversation between Liz and Liz. It was just her and her mind. You don't want to be one. part of those conversations. <laughs> and, and I know, I know about this because uh, this morning I drop off my son at school and, and I was like, when I come back, I'm not even going to go inside. I'm going to go for the walk that I do. And I had a, a, a quick meeting uh, with Liz and I was walking. 
So do just just don't negotiate with yourself. You know, I am very hardcore negotiator. I can give a lot of excuses why I shouldn't go. It's so cold. <laughs> oh, you can go later. Later, it will be warmer. No, it will not be warmer over here. Uh, <laughs> it will not. So you go now. So that that kind of like back and forth negotiating. The, the smaller that you, you know, when you don't negotiate with your kid about having candy prior to dinner, it's just like not going to go anywhere. So I, I love what you're saying, Liz. And I think that, you know, all your like, for those of you, by the way, that don't see Liz running every single morning on Monday, there is a video on our Instagram. So check that. So that kind of like motivates me to also, I'm not, wall, I'm not, running yet i'm walking one day i'll be running but we'll run together i but, love it yes but i it's just like okay liz is doing it i'm doing it too because that's where we want to be in life our future self those folks over there they do exercise so you know sure don't negotiate with your mind and just like take action yeah love it um so yeah. And, and you have to do it on a daily basis. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen one, one and done. Right. Um, but anyway, without further ado, Tracy, thanks so much for being on our show. Uh, and, you know, we always like to ask the women, the fantastic women that we interview, what propelled you to get involved in investing and in, in, in this, in this real estate investing world? Well, I wanted to have freedom, not just financial freedom, but freedom of time. So I was in the note investing world for an institutional note buyer for 10 years before I started my own company doing it, learning the ropes. But I had a young child at home and I wanted to have more flexibility to be there when she got home from school and to participate and to just just be more present, which was not easy to do when I was a vice president of an investing company. And so I thought I've got to find a way to do this. Um, I also wanted to be rewarded for my actions instead of just rewarding a, another company. And so I uh, that got me involved into it. So freedom of time and freedom of you know financial freedom as well and being in charge of your destiny. How'd you get involved with the, the first, um, like the, t the 10 year note kind of business? How'd you actually get into that space? Cause it's, so, a, it's a unique space. I, I feel like still, um, we're not yeah. unique, but it's a niche is what I should it, say. It is a niche. Um, and it's a different side of the real estate investing. So it involves investing in real estate, but you're holding paper, you're being the bank. So you have an asset, you own the right to collect a debt. And we like the performing notes for people actually making their payments. Some people like to specialize in non-performing, but you still, if they don't make your payments, you do have the ability to work out some kind of payment plan or the worst case scenario would be to take back the real estate, have a real estate backed asset. So how I got involved with it was I was actually, uh, I did closings for real estate, just regular generic closings. I come from a small town background. So, you know, the attorney owns the title company and the servicing company and, you know, all of those things. And so I was learning how to close real estate. So I had a background on how to do the documentation for that. Being in a more rural community, we had seller financing. So I was exposed to owner financing where the owner sells the property, allows the buyer to make payments to them instead of involving a bank or maybe in addition to some bank financing. So I had reason to move to the big city uh, and I went to work for an investment company and they specialized in buying seller financed paper at a discount. So it was very much a fluke. Um, and at that time I moved from 
doing the document side, which I think a lot of ladies might get involved in real estate on the document side, to understanding how the money works. So there was a mentor there that showed me something called the HP 12C financial calculator, which sits on my desk and I use every day. Um, and that, that introduced me to the power of money and the power of compounding interest and how you can make it work for you. Well, so when people, you know, in our community, they think about investing in real estate, the most common uh, exit strategies that they see is flipping because there's so many HDTV shows about flipping and there is the bird strategy and the glamorous, you know, syndication deals. Note it's not on the spotlight like that normally it's not on the spotlight and I don't think that we talk enough about about it so for for the ladies that are listening uh share with us why notes why should we consider notes and who is this for Absolutely. So when I was working for the investment company for those first 10 years, getting a crazy great education, hands-on, um, I invested in real estate because they didn't want you to invest in real estate notes while you were working on their portfolio. They felt it was a conflict of interest, understandably, right? So I so wanted to invest in real estate notes, but I said, well, I'll do real estate. And I bought and sold real estate using owner financing because that was allowed. I was creating my own notes. So I was uh, a buyer of real estate estate using owner financing, then I would sell real estate using owner financing. And um, I quickly found that I would rather be the bank than the landlord. So I call it landlord versus lean lord. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're a landlord, right? You have tenants. When you're a lean lord, you have owners. And there's a difference between the investment mentality of an owner and a tenant. So tenants call you at two in the morning when they lock themselves out coming home from the bar or their three-year-olds flushes their favorite stuffed animal down the toilet, right? That's what a tenant does. An owner doesn't call you with those problems. So I, we have owners. The other thing owners do is that they take care of taxes, insurance, and maintenance, right? And when you're the landlord, you have to do those things. And then when you're a landlord, you might have a property manager. When you're a lien lord, when you own the debt, you have a servicing agent, a servicing company that collects those payments. Now, when I first started out, because I remember I started in 88, and then I worked for the investment company for 10 years in 97. My husband and I, we started our own investment company. We actually met through the world of note investing. And um, one of the things that that we did then was we used to service these notes ourselves, which was crazy. I can't even believe we still used, we used to do that. But laws have changed. It's much better now to use a third-party servicer because they're not very expensive. They usually cost $20, $30 a month, much cheaper than a property manager. And um, it frees you up to do more deals, really, because your time's more valuable. But it took me a long time to learn a lesson that you know my time was valuable. And I didn't need to do everything. And if it didn't get done exactly the same way I would do it, it's still okay. <laughs> I think we struggle with that as women, right? <laughs> we do, right? <laughs> Until we are just like, oh, I can't. Yeah, I can't anymore. Yeah, yeah. I'm full. Yeah. But sometimes we say that too late, right? We need to learn to identify and say that sooner. Absolutely. I love the concept of landlord versus lean lord. I've never heard that before. I love that. So, so I, you know, I'm a woman listening. You know, walk us through like a, a, a common deal, if you will, or a common 
process. Like even my own, you know, selfishly, I know like literally little bits and snippets, but you're using some things. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not sure what that, like, so I'm sure the women listening are, are not familiar with notes aren't familiar either. So, you know, walk them in through or walk us through a little bit of the process. And then through that, I think you start to, to your point, you'll start to see the advantages of it. Like, you know, you're not, you're not quite as uh, dealing with the hands-on tenants, but what are you dealing with? What do you have to evaluate? I'm sure just like any niche, right? You have to, you know, know what you're doing and, and, you know, be educated and make the right calls. Absolutely. So like tell people that they, they say, oh, it sounds like a foreign concept, but it's really a concept most people in real estate are familiar with. You're just on the other side of the cash register. So we all understand that if you buy a piece of real estate and you use debt leveraging, right, you go get a loan for it, you put your 20% down or whatever you put down, you go get a loan for the other 80%, the bank is making their fees by charging you interest. And so that's how they make their money. Now, some banks charge points and fees as well, but primarily they're making it by charging interest. So when you're on the other side of the cash register, you're getting interest income. So my everybody has a different specialty. My specialty is buying and selling seller finance notes. So seller finance notes come in all shapes and sizes. I mean, I've seen seller finance notes where it was zero down and 0% interest rate. Now, when you're going to buy that note, you're like, oh, why didn't they get a down payment? Why didn't they charge an interest rate? Now, if you're the buyer of the property, that was a great deal, right? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that. You really depends <laughs> which side you're in. Yeah. Right. Well, I've worn both hats. It's like, am I the buyer here or am I the seller here, right? Or am I the investor coming in after the fact and I've got to figure out what did they do, what didn't they do, that sort of thing. So seller financing, depending on who's listening, you may not want to buy the debt. You might want to use it to buy the property. That would be one strategy for using seller financing. You might want to fix up a property and sell it using owner financing so you get to some residual income because when you sell using owner financing, you often can get top at the market, sometimes even up to 10% over the market because it's a concession, right? It's a, it's a amenity that you provided financing to them. There's a lot of people that are good credit risks that just can't get bank financing. They're just not there yet. A lot of times they're self-employed people mm -hmm. or real estate investors who've maxed out how many loans they can get yeah. from the bank, right? And so there's there's some, so you do have to look at that. So when you're coming in to buy a note, whether you're gonna create it or you're gonna invest in it, we look for certain things. Like we look, we call them the three Ps. We call it the people, the people making the payment, right? <laughs> the property, which is the collateral, which you'll take back if they don't pay you, but we try to set everybody up for success so they do pay. And then the three, the third P is the paperwork. So that's the actual note and the mortgage and the how you document up, how you paper this and transfer title. So we could go into more detail. I don't know how much detail you want to go in here, but we look at those three P's and we underwrite or perform due diligence on the people, the property, and the paperwork. So we're looking at how much equity does that buyer have? Have they paid their debts in the past? Um, is the property in good condition? Um, it, has it been appreciating? Is it the you know, same thing you guys look at when you invest in real estate, right? But we just know we're not going to own the real estate unless the people don't pay us. So we look usually first to the paper and the people and lastly to the real estate. That's kind of like our worst case scenario. If they don't pay us, we can't work it out. We'll go through the foreclosure process, take the property back and resell it. Well, I was, I was familiar with notes, but not quite with notes related to owner finance, which I think it's it's another niche within the niche. So the, the owner financing process is already in place. How do you find 
the notes. Yeah, that's a great, great thing. Marketing deal sourcing is important, whether in real estate or real estate notes. So there are several ways. Um, we do networking at real estate investor groups. Uh, you can purchase lists of sellers that have taken back financing where the party that's on the mortgage or the deed of trust is an individual and not a bank of America or Wells Fargo, and you can direct mail to them. So uh, on average, it, it varies depending on the state, but on average, about 6% of real estate transactions involve some form of owner financing, either in a first or a second position. Uh, last year, we tracked these stats. Last year, there was 23.9 billion with a B in seller finance notes created. So we're talking a fairly sizable huge wow. yeah yeah do you that believe be tracy that this is going to be even bigger considering you know covid and everything that we are going through yeah yeah that's a very insightful question absolutely we do believe that we've tracked these stats i've been at this for 30 years right since 1988 so we track these stats and we can see like after 2008 what happened was the conventional lenders pulled back then there was less subprime lending you know that was the crash of 2008 what happened in 2010 11 was the percentage of seller financing went way up because when conventional financing pulls back or gets more restrictive, then seller financing goes up. And so then it kind of came back down and it actually steadied off, it kind of, uh, you know, it went up and it didn't come all the way back down. It kind of steadied off about halfway across. And we think now it'll go back up again. And that's okay. because banks are already saying that they want 20% down. You know, they've upped their down payment requirements. A lot of the conventional banks have also upped their credit score so they, you know, instead of 650, they want 680 or instead of 680, they want 720 or so as that happens, fewer people qualify. Now we've got one great thing going on in the market right now, as everybody knows, and that's crazy low cost of funds, right? If you right. A 30 year yeah. loan for under 3%. Wow. So that has continued to help that. I believe that housing market stays stable, but still there's been a, a pulling back on a, a tightening of the underwriting criteria. So when that happens, there's more seller financing. So if I'm listening to this, like you, and you know, a lot of women might be like, okay, how do I get started? How do I get started understanding this a little more? The idea of maybe doing the landlording or being, being the active, you know, investor is not working, is not the right fit for them anymore, or it's not even the right fit to them for them now in terms of what their financial goals are. I always like to say, people are like, should I, should I flip or should I buy a rental property? I'm like, First and foremost, there's more than two choices. There's a lot of things you could do. And second off, what are your money goals? What's your time horizon? I mean, there's, if you can get your goal faster and quicker and easier being a passive investor, wouldn't you want to be? Versus, I mean, unless you're like looking for, you know, so there's always, there's a lot of ways to slice, slice and dice that. So for someone looking to get started in note investing, you know, what are, what are some like resources or just, you know, just some things they really need to understand. And, and like, as you're saying, like the due diligence, due diligence is everywhere, right? If you're going to look at a multifamily, you got to do your due diligence. So as a note investor, what's the due diligence? And my second question, is there an active and passive place for note investors? I would imagine there are just like there are, you know, say a multifamily, you know, investor. Yes, absolutely. So the due diligence process for us normally starts with, uh, we want to make sure there's a 
a good payment history. So if there's a third party service or we want to make sure those payments are really getting made, right? That's kind of the first basic. And have has the person been making payments on time? Um, and so that's one thing that we look at. Uh, we get, so that's called a payment history. We always get a, a BPO, a drive-by BPO or appraisal, depending on the level of investment. Or if it's local, then you can send out a local real estate agent. So you're trying to ascertain what is the value of the collateral, which is that piece of real estate. And then we also get a title report because we want to make sure that the lien we're buying is in first position. That's what we like to buy. Some people like to buy seconds and that's fine as well. It's another niche, but we want to make sure that, um, you know, the buyer has title to the property, that the, that the person who um, sold it to them has a valid first position lien and that that can be assigned to us, that they really own it. They haven't sold that lien to someone else. And then we go through the paperwork. We make sure that the taxes are current, the real estate taxes. We make sure the property is insured. And then we make sure that the, the note and the mortgage, um, you know, read like a normal note and mortgage. And then when we're ready to close, then we get an assignment of the mortgage or deed of trust we get the original promissory note and we get an endorsement to that note. And then we do some notifications through the servicer that now they should start sending the payment to our retirement account or to our servicer. We like to usually keep the same servicer so the people don't have to send their payments somewhere else, but you do have the option of changing servicing. We really like notes for self-direct retirement accounts because it's a more passive um, investment. And so notes are great strategies for self-direct retirement accounts. So that would be how you go about buying an existing note. If you were going to sell a property and create a note, the process would be a little bit different. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets and 500 of those women will be at InvestorCon 2024. It is the number one premier conference for women in real estate and it's happening June 2nd to 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestorCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures, gain the knowledge and the skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with women who are playing at the same level. Time is running out though. You just have three weeks left to get your ticket. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit investorcon.com today and use the code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. That's investorcon.com, promo code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. So let's let's go on, on buying buying the note, right? When you are evaluating, you mentioned the value of the property. So for somebody that is doing this first time, how they can look at the value of the property and 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 say, 
oh, it meets my criteria or no, 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 it does not meet my criteria. That's one question there. And the second is, is there anything that would be a red flag for you that you were going to look and say, oh, they didn't put a down payment or, or whatever that situation might be. They are like, that does not qualify this. Yeah, there's several things we look at. And the first thing that's always most important is loan to value, which we call LTV. So mm -hmm. that's how much does the buyer, the borrower owe compared to how much does the property worth? And the flip side of that would be their equity, right? How much money did they put down or how much appreciation do they have or how much have they paid down through amortization? So that's like how much skin in the game do they have? What, how right. have what are you looking for for LTV though? Well, you know, the lower, the better. <laughs> yeah, right. It's <laughs> one factor, you know, so we have these scales we're balancing. So, you know, I would prefer to see an 80% loan to value or lower, but I have done deals with higher than that because the second thing that we look at is investment to value. So that's how much am I going to invest or purchase that note for compared to what the property is worth. I buy notes at a discount and not paying a hundred cents on the dollar. So I, if somebody has got a higher loan to value, I still think it's a good risk. I can lower my investment to value and I can do that and buy all the payments or just to kind of throw another piece in there. I could buy, if it's a 30 year note, I could just buy 10 years of payments. That would lower my investment to value. I collect to the next 10 years, then I assign it back over to the seller. So, or oh. I buy another 10 years. So you don't have to, you know, buy the buy the 30 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of different ways you can lower your investment to value. So loan to value, investment to value, two big pieces of that um, piece of the puzzle. The buyer, the payer's credit score, you know, whether they pay their other bills is also an important one. So what kind of, a, so we balance the skills. Do they have good credit or bad credit? How have they paid in the past? Is the property in good condition? What's the loan to value? But if you brought me a deal and said uh, zero down payment, ooh, that's not good, right? And also bad credit. So now my scales are doing this and they haven't been paying maybe only two months. Maybe it's a brand new note. That's a deal I'd say, no, let's take, let's circle back up next year and see um, how, if they've continued to pay and if they built up any equity. Yeah, I love that. And, and it seems like, I mean, you know your stuff, you've been doing this for a long time, Tracy. So it seems like there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle that, you know, people need to be aware of if they get into this, this, you know, business, if you will. Um, yeah, there are, and people sometimes prey on people not knowing, that's always you've got to look out mm. for, right? Yeah. Do you find a lot of people who get into note investing have gone down the path of, you know, the landlord versus the lien lord? Like they've, they've done the landlording, they've done the investing, and now they're like, okay, maybe there's a simpler way to, to keep investing, if you will, without having to maybe, maybe deal with the, the different things that come into it, especially fixing and flipping. I mean, they, they can beat you up, you know, it's a lot of work. They can beat you up, you know. I did uh, it do like three times and went, oh, that was a lot of work. No. <laughs> <laughs> so do you find a lot of people that you come into contact with, and I know that are part of your communities, tend to be people that have the experience on one level, and then they're like, hold on, is there a simpler, easier, not easier way, but a, a simpler way to be on this, what side of the equation do I want to be on? Or is yeah, it absolutely? Okay. We have a lot of people that are landlords that do, or they're wholesalers or they're fix and flippers that decide to put a part of their portfolio into notes. So, you know, I never like there's advantages to real estate too. There's depreciation advantages and there's sure. 
um, appreciation advantages, right, to owning physical real estate that you don't have when you own the note. So That's we have other advantages, but I would never stand here and argue with someone those those things. So maybe a piece of your portfolio, you would move over. But what we're seeing is a lot of landlords, you know, if you look at the statistic, there's a lot of landlords that aren't professional setups like you ladies who have a lot of doors. They're kind of mom and pop landlords. And boy, that, you know, with COVID, sadly, they've, they've been hurting, right, in this situation. Mm. So they think, that maybe they're that we've seen a lot of people convert some or part of their portfolios. If, if you're at the top of the market in appreciation, what a great time maybe to sell one or two of your properties, offer it with owner financing, uh, capitalize on that appreciation. You get some uh, tax installment sale advantages when you sell uh, on using owner financing. You get to defer some of that capital gains, and you'd have to talk to your CPA or accountant about how that all works. But it, but that's one advantage. So we're seeing more landlords converting some of the properties they own to paying notes. Because when you back off the taxes and in the insurance and the maintenance, a lot of times they're netting a lot more off the interest income than they are the net operating income. Right. So, oh, I'm sorry, Liz, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to give an example, but yeah, ask her, here you go. I was going to say that a lot of the ladies that are on our community, they see the benefits of owner financing, but they don't feel confident to go to a mom and pop and explain the benefits of, of being um, uh, with the benefits of owner financing process. Yeah. You just mentioned the deferred uh, capital gains. Can you share all their benefits? So they have like a, I feel that they should have like a checklist, right? I'm like, <laughs> okay, let me just share with you and paint not a complicated picture, it, a simple picture. And I think that people get very confused with how processes work because we made it more complicated than what it should and then gets the other person confused and confusion leads to no decision <laughs> at the end of the day. So yeah. how can we make this simple, Tracy? Help us. The simplest way is probably how we started off the conversation when we talked about, you know, when you are a landlord, you have tenants. Put it in terms of what they understand, right? When you are the bank, you have owners making payments on the note not on the lease agreement. So just kind of walk through those things, you know, go, go back and play that first part. How I explained it on here, I think is a simple way to explain it to people. I, I don't like to get too deep in the weeds with people on their tax questions because, you know, none of, unless you're the accountant, you, that will cause confusion, right? But they'll understand that when you sell a property, there's capital gains. And when you sell with owner financing, there is an installment sale um, provision where you can recoup some of that over time. So they'll understand that. And your CPA or accountant can tell you that. And you don't have the expenses. You have the interest income. I like to show them an amortization schedule. We all know what an that what an amortization schedule looks like, right? How much interest you're going to pay when you've signed those loan documents. They say at the end of 30 years, you'll have repaid instead of 100,000, 300,000. Well, what's the difference between the 100,000, 300,000? That's $200,000 in interest income that the banks are making. That's why the banks, when you go downtown are all the tallest buildings, right? It's because they're making all that interest income. <laughs> so True. you're just 
taking a little bit of that to Main Street. Now, some people are going to say, I don't have the money to buy notes. So that you don't have to have the money to buy the notes. You can flip a note just like you flip or wholesale a piece of property. So if you find a seller finance note, you don't have the money to buy it. You can refer it to an investor that does. And we work with institutional investors that will pay referral fees to people that bring them notes and or they're smaller investors like myself that do the same thing. So if you locate this, you want to earn while you learn. If you're not confident, like you mentioned, then you do a few deals on someone else's dime, be involved in the process and earn a fee for finding that deal at a finder's fee. And then as you do a few of those, then you'll get more comfortable at some point to be able to, to perhaps do it yourself. What you had mentioned too earlier about performing versus non-performing. Whenever I thought of notes, I always thought it was non-performing. So you said you specialize on performing. So help me understand that. And, and, and just for the women listening too, I don't know if I'm the only one that yeah, isn't no, that's clear on question. who, why would someone be, I guess, why would be someone be selling a multifamily that's performing? It's the same thing as a, as a note. I guess that, that makes sense to me, but help me understand a little bit of like why focus on one or the other and why performing notes over non-performing. So if you buy performing notes, you're really looking at cash flow. You want that reliable payment coming in every month. If you buy a non-performing note, it means they're already not paying. That means the person is behind on their payments. So you're going to have to work with them either to find a repayment plan that works or you're gonna to have to go through a foreclosure process. And a foreclosure process takes time and money and you never know what condition the property is gonna be in when you get it back. So that is a very, that's a very hands-on active. I mean, a, buying a non-performing note is probably like buying a fix and flip. I gotcha. The world. Yep. And versus, having a tenant there until yep. I foreclose. Oh. Yeah. Versus buying, um, versus buying a property, you know, that's already got a, a nice performing tenant in it. That's making their, their payments. That would, that's kind of how I would differentiate those two. Makes sense. And, and the value of a performing note, what is the difference in terms of value from a, a performing note to a non-performing note? Yeah. Uh, big, huge, right? <laughs> so, you know, we a good performing note, we might go for, depending on the interest rate charged on the note, that's a big if, and the loan to value and the number of months they've been already paying on it. You know, the top end is going to be in the 90, 95 cents on the dollar. And, you know, the lower end, you know, is going to be 60 to 70 cents on the dollar. A non-performing, you know, the top end probably should be 60 or 70 cents on the dollar. And the low end is, you know, you know, 30 cents on the dollar. When the subprime lending meltdown happened, there was this big flood of non-performing notes that came on the market from all the hedge funds and the banks and all of that, that that trickled down. Remember, the banks got bailed out with TARP, right? Right. The, the, that's that's going back a ways, but there was TARP, and that's what enabled those banks to sell off that paper. The first twenty years I was in this business, we didn't rely on non-performing bank paper notes. We were just slugging along in the seller financed world, right? The performing note world. Um, so that that non-performing note world has really just come along in the last ten years. People okay. think that there might be more that'll come along after this, although we'll see. We don't know. I mean, there are certain forbearance agreements, but banks were not where we relied on for them to sell their paper because banks don't make money by making loans that go into default, right? So that was an anomaly in the market that is not normal out there. Normally, you're buying seller financed performing notes at a discount. Why, as Liz asked, would a seller discount that? Why would they do that? Well, they have other uses of money, right? 
these people that are owner financing may only do it one time in their whole life, or maybe they'll do it a couple of times, but now they need money. It could be they're moving towards something. They want another investment, or it could be something has happened in their life. They've lost income. They have a medical situation. They need to cash out this asset and this note. And so that's why they would sell it at a discount. I think I finally got it. I was like trying to really think about the process. And I think finally now I'm clear, which is always a good thing because I'm usually confused about most things. So for example, me and my husband have a commercial property. Let's play this out a little bit. Yep. We have a commercial property in, in Trenton where we got our start. We have a, we have a, a number of assets there where we're, we're just we're looking to sell and we are in the process of selling. We are kind of strategically keeping a few and then just you know looking long-term. Like you start to get to that point, you're like, okay, in 10 years, what do I want to be really involved in? Where do we want to be involved in? These are all important questions all of us ask <laughs> because if you don't start thinking about that now, 10 years will come and be like, hold on, how did we get here? So um, we've been really strategically thinking about what we need to sell. And um, there's a property that we own. It's a mixed use building. We have a commercial tenant on the, the bottom and then, you know, two residential units. And um, the commercial tenant, we, we struck up a deal and he's buying the property from us. Excellent. But we were doing an owner financing. It was our first time doing this, quite honestly, and being in this business for as long as we have. And um and it's been really cool. It's been like $500 of interest each month. I'm like, this is super cool. Like, this is new for us, like as a, as a strategy or just even just, you know. But my point is that you would then market to me and yeah. say, hey, you, you know, do, 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 do. I can, I can buy that note from, or you're, not the property, but the note. Is that what you, if you were in your shoes to me as your potential? Yeah. Okay. Got hey, it. Are so you that, tired of those monthly payments trickling in? Would you rather have a lump sum of cash to make that gotcha. next investment? We can buy all or part of your payments for cash today. Got it. That really call makes sense. Call for a free quote. We'll let you know what your options are. It's there great to go. have options, right? It's no cost to find out. I we'll just that. ask you a few short questions and we'll, we'll give you an estimate. And then if it sounds like something you want to do, you know, if you don't, yep. no harm, no foul. If you do, then we'll take the next steps. I love that. So that makes sense to me. And I think for the people, for the women listening too, it's like, you know, you can be, you can create like owner. We wanted to sell this property. So, you know, he wasn't ready to buy it at that moment. And we just like, this is our tenant. He's been in there for five years. He's made his payments on time. This is a good bet to make, yeah. if you will. And it's a way for us to get eventually out and we can make some cash flow in the, in the, in the, in the, in the time being, which is always a nice thing, right? Not gonna, not gonna hurt. Um, but that's not our business, right? We're not building this whole business in, in doing that. And if it came to a point where like you're saying, it's like you hit that person in the moment, right? And it, 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 it makes all the difference. So um, I think, the, I'm sure you know this, but the owner financing niche is probably a fascinating one because these are people that probably either needed to do it or just like kind of said, hey, let's try this kind of thing. Not so much like a professional, you know, this is the business we're creating, just like us. And we've been in this for quite some time. We're not new to real estate investing, but it made sense to do it in this moment. So, okay, that really makes sense. I feel like I, feel like I got fine, full circle. So, hey, we've accomplished something today. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, what are you me, laughing on, Jess? No, it's just fascinating because I, I love – learning more about a strategy that I'm not familiar. And I'm sure we can spend like the entire day or weekend going through all the, the different ways. But the reason why I believe that this, this specific strategy is fascinating is for the time that we are in right now. And I think that as we navigate in, in real estate, 
I truly don't believe those folks that say it's always a good time to buy. I'm not sure. It, you know, it really depends where, right? It, and, and what? It, what, where, <laughs> right? It, but I also would say it, it also, if I have a, 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 a toolbox and I only know how to rehab or buy and hold, it's very limited, right? I will not see the possibilities. And I think that where we are at right now, our goal as, as the investor founders here is to really give to all of you that are listening different tools that you might need. You might need, I'm not sure if it is today or tomorrow, but who knows? You're listening to this today and then tomorrow you come across uh, a property, they're like, oh, that doesn't work if I buy, rehab, and sell. That doesn't work also, uh, buy and hold. However, however, it might, it might work uh, if, I, if I, I do owner financing here, especially with what's going on right now. People might, might be going through different transitions. Is it downsizing or like they're like, you know what, I'm done. I, I went through 2020 and I now want to enjoy my, my life, you know, and don't want to be a landlord anymore because that's a lot of pain. So really understanding where are people's pain so you can serve and offer different different possibilities. But you as an investor, um, having the, the knowledge that there is this possibility. And I'm not saying that after this listening to this show, you were an expert in notes, right? That's not what we were saying. So, but we, you have, now you know that there is that possibility and then you can take further you know, steps in order to either gain more knowledge and connect with folks like Tracy, for example, that really like are experts in, in, in that field, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that your toolbox analogy is great. It's like, you know, we use one tool to curl our hair and another one to straighten our hair and another <laughs> one to blow dry it, right? So to bring it around to the real estate investor. Um, so sometimes you've got a hammer, sometimes you've got a screwdriver. And so when you're talking about you wouldn't buy every property, it depends on where it's at and what kind of property it is. For me also, it depends on the terms that it's being sold at. So if somebody is willing to sell a property and people have this misconception that owner financing is just on free and clear houses. And it's not. They're probably about 70 or percent or more of the deals we see, the seller still owes money to a bank. So when but they have come, to ask uh, uh, permission from the lender to do that. Yeah. So that, okay. that's a very good question. So technically, most banks have do on sale clauses. Right. Um, and they do have the right, but not the obligation to call it due if they're not getting paid. So this is definitely like we talk about super safe ways to buy notes, super safe way to buy a note like that is to buy the note, use the proceeds to pay off the underlying and the seller just gets the net difference, just like you would in a real estate deal, right? They don't, mm -hmm. they know that they're gonna have to pay off their loan. Mm -hmm. But there are more creative strategies that we call wraps or overalls where depending on your appetite, <laughs> you can leave that financing in place, 
right? And so you're just buying the net cash flow between that owner finance note and that underlying bank loan. If you're buying a property with owner financing and you're leaving that financing in place, that's another way to do it. Yes, there is always the risk that they could call it due on sale. After doing this 30 years, um, you know, I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on TV, but uh, you can talk to your attorney about the risk. But what I've seen is most banks, as long as they're getting their payment every month, they're pretty happy. They're Why not- would they care? Yeah. yeah. And there's some other ways to do it by using trusts and things like that, where um, there's some other methods. That would be a much more advanced topic. Sure. <laughs> I want people to know that there's more ways to do that than just one way. Yeah. And, and it really does start about start getting just start getting educated. And what are some resources, would you say, Tracy, that, you know, women listening are like, I, I want to learn more about this. Absolutely. Uh, well, there's more now than there's ever been. When I got started, there was uh, just the people that were doing it. It was a pretty close knit group. But over 30 years now, we've got the Internet. Right. So one of the things I've done over the years is that I'm very passionate about this and teaching people how to do this the correct way and using a financial calculator to understand how interest can work for them instead of against them. So my personal website, noteinvestor.com, so noteinvestor.com is a a great place. I think I have 300 plus articles on there right now, all free for people to read. Um, There's a little uh, ebook called The Five Ways to Cash In on Notes. So if you go to noteinvestor.com forward slash five ways, um, with or without the hyphen, you'll get there and you you can take advantage of that as well. I'm not the only person out there that's teaching this, so it's like anything else if you youtube it or there's quite a few books out on amazon i hope to add my own book to that one of these days soon when i when i uh steal more time away but there's other good books out there called the 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 power of paper um a great book that's an oldie but goodie is um a book called invest in debt by jimmy napier and he started doing this uh he was out in the east coast doing it i was out the West Coast with the group, but he he's been doing it. Sadly, he just recently passed away, but he'd been doing it since the 80s as well. So there's a lot of people out there that use these strategies. They just kind of have to get adapted for the current real estate environment. But um, yeah, so there's good, good resources out there. Awesome. We're going to make sure that all this information is going to be added on our show notes. Excellent. Great. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a lot, right? I just spewed <laughs> it all out. <laughs> Awesome. So um, we're going to move to, and is there any other way that women can get connected to you, Tracy? Obviously sounds like your website's a great place. Any other, any other place to find you, social media or anything like that? Yeah. So we are definitely on social media, but I wanted to take an opportunity since this is how you and I were introduced, Liz, through a mutual friend that also believes in empowering women. Yeah. And we had the Wise Women Investors Group. So it's wisewomeninvestors.com. And um, I do wise with a Z because I'm Tracy Z, but if you spell it with an S, you'll get there as well. But wisewomeninvestors.com. And we're on Facebook. We have a nice uh, group. And then we have our website. And then once a year, we have the Wise Women Expo, where we invite people like Liz and Andressa to speak on investing, how they invest. It might be real estate. It might be notes. We had the options lady on there who loves stock options. So there's uh, we have people who do business notes. And, and we have people who do real estate uh, as a uh, commercial real estate brokers, things like that. So different ways that women can start investing. And so that's how we were introduced. And so that that's sort of my passion, my, my give back as you guys are doing here with the Real Estate Invest Her. Awesome. And I will also add all of that on our show notes. So their show notes are going to be full of great content over there. 
Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Tracy, is what's the most transformational book you have ever read? Transformational. Mm-hmm. I, for me, it was this little green book on how to use a financial calculator that was spiral bound. And I know that sounds crazy, but that just blew my mind and it set the stage for the next 30 years of my life. That would be transformational from a knowledge on investing. Um, so I, that, and if you were looking for, that's not in print, but if you're looking for something like similar, it would be the invest in debt that I mentioned by Jamie Napier. Perfect. And the second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? Yeah, that is a great question. So I have over the years mashed up several things and, and, and together to, to do something that works for me. So I do something called Savers and it's from the Miracle Morning. I don't know if anybody is familiar with that. Um, that is also a great book that would be up there transfa- transformational on a personal level. But that's where you take some time in the morning to start your day and set the right tone. I found for a lot of years what I did was that I just got up and went. I was really good at, at going up and, and going and, and being a human doing. But I wasn't so good sometimes at just being in the moment, being present. I think that's even, my daughter's raised now, but it was definitely harder when she was young and you're doing all the real estate and you're doing the deals and you're running a business and you're running a household. So I found that getting up and doing all the time was not always the most productive way. I also work from home now, used to work out of an office, but now I have the benefit of working from home. And I'd found, I just get up and that's all I would be doing was working. You know, you'd look up and how long have you been sitting at that desk? Mm -hmm. So I found that doing the savers, taking the time in the morning to put myself first, that I was a better human being the rest of the day. I was more present at work. I was more creative. I was more effective. So the savers are, you start with some time with a little bit of silence and meditation. That's the S. And then A is affirmations and V is visualization. What do you want to achieve your goals? The E is exercise. Like Liz mentioned, I used to be exercise in the evening, but now I'm going to get it done like you ladies are talking about in the morning. Um, the R is for reading, reading something new or, or uh, spiritual or that's developing you. And then the that last S is scribing, which is really journaling, you know, making sure you spend some time on focusing on gratitude. So I matched that up with something called the 411 from the one thing on my business side. And for me taking that time in the morning, I mean, when I don't do it, I notice it. Even my husband will say, did you not do your <laughs> exercise today? What's going on? You know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's a big transformational thing in my life. Great. The last question, Tracy, is which women, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Uh, it's got to be my mom. Yeah, she's just was one strong lady. Life did not deal her an easy road. And, you know, she didn't do it perfect every time, but she always showed up and she was there. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for, for sharing all of your wonderful knowledge and yourself here today. Um, I feel like I just learned a lot and, and it's all about me. So I learned a lot. We're good. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I, I really, and I think the women listening who are part of our community really going to appreciate this and um, just fascinating stuff. So thank you so much for being on our show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the work you guys do. Thank you for you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. 
If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.